Sure. Talk, Gabe. Talking, 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 speaking. I am speaking into the microphone. Mac and cheese into the microphone. Speaking, speaking. Yeah, no delay. No delay, Gabe. That's cool. Well, since um, since there's no delay, I'm going to like let this roll as the B-roll. Would you stop? <laughs> so You don't like cor- corresponding to those two words? Hold on. So, yeah. <laughs> let me tell you something about my mom's, my movie, my mom's. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so, so you helped your mom move today, right? Yeah, we're moving and grooving, right? We're starting to... We're moving stuff. It's me and Adam. Talking about some earth, wind, fire. Let's move tonight. Yeah, we're moving some Wait, shit. Let's groove tonight. Yes. And uh, we're making some good time, right? So um, basically, we got the little couch, the big couch, um, my sister's mattress and box I spring. love how everybody has like a little couch and a big couch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we get there, all right? So, you know, we get everything in, but then there's the big couch. Mm-hmm. And this is like an art. Talking band. like a full three-seater sofa type of shit? Yeah, it's seven and a half feet long. Oh. Uh, and my mom lives on the... Boy. Yeah, my mom lives on the first floor now. Okay. And there's not a, a whole lot of room to, to wiggle <laughs> to wiggle at all. So, like I said, everything else is in. So, you know, first 30 minutes is like, huh, how are we going to how are we gonna do it, right? Formulating. So, we get it done. We're starting to move it and going. So, we try the front first, right? The front door. And there's like maybe like six feet t- tall, six and a half feet tall, maybe. Right here under the sea in the background. It's great. So six and a half feet tall, right? Trying to move it, but you get seven and a half feet. Yeah, we got seven and a half feet. So we're trying to wiggle it, right? And I'm looking at it. I'm like, my, it's not gonna fit. <laughs> I'm like, if anything, we should let's try the back door. Maybe the back door w- will help. We get a little, that's like seven feet, but we still got a half a foot to account for, right? Uh-huh. So we're wiggling, we're fighting it, and it's like two and a half hours in at this point, right? At this point, her landlord comes in. He's a handy guy, uh, nice guy, new landlord. So um, we're like, yeah, I'm like, we're, we're stuck. We don't know what to do. He's like, well, let's try this. So we try to hit the front again and we're fighting with it. And then we try the back again and we continue to fight with it. So at this point, like there's like the landlord is looking at it. It's like, not going to work. This ain't going in like in, in intact. Right. Uh-huh. And it's, it's such a serious thing that, like I said, because my mom lives on the first floor, we're looking at the window pane and he's looking at it. He's like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> pop, pop out yeah. the window. Can this come out? It's fortunately it's glued down. So can't do that. So this dude's like, all right, Let's chop this thing in half, essentially, or like break it off at the staples and, you know, reattach the staples when, you know, it's inside. So, again, this is the landlord, landlord doing this now. So me and Adam are looking and, you know, we're, we're helping him. And so he, he takes off the staples and the whole top half is gone, basically. And this motherfucker still ain't going, bro. Jesus. This thing is not going. And me and Adam, you know, like I said, this is my mom's new place, right? So um, we're not trying to, you know, we scuffed up the wall a little bit. We're not going to lie, but we're we're not trying to put fucking dents in the wall, essentially. Right. Right. First day in. Yeah. So this guy, like I said, breaks it in half. Right. And he he's pushing and me and Adam are like, uh, you might want to slow down a little bit. And he did it. He pushed this motherfucker. And this is what it did. Oh, no. <laughs> is that the ceiling? Yeah. But a nice fat old hole in the ceiling. Yeah, for the for those of you who didn't see, obviously, I'm I'm gonna try to post this up with the podcast. I'm gonna try to attach it somehow. A picture of this massive fucking dent gat gash in the fucking ceiling of Is my mom. Is that on the inside of her place? It's the outside. Ooh. It's on the outside, so the neighbor's gonna walk in and be like, "What the fuck happened?" Yeah. Well, I'm glad the landlord did it. Yeah. <laughs> Not so you guys. That's what me and Adam were talking about. I'm like, well, I was like, mom, I'm like, my mom was like super bummed. You know, my mom gets really stressed out really easily. I'm like, ma, like it was either, you know, that happened 
maybe we could put it back together or it just didn't get in. You'd have to give away a couch. Yeah. So <laughs> a big ass gash and the guy's like, don't worry about it. I'll fix it. So he's in charge of it. But like, it was like a three and a half long hour long episode and we had another trip to do. And I looked at my mom, I'm like, ma, it's three o'clock. I'm like, I got to go home. A, I got to shower. B, I got to get my show ready. I got stuff ready for the show. Right. So by the time, you know, I got home, I showered me, Adrian took a run to Best Buy cause she washed my headphones again. <laughs> and uh we bought some dvds and stuff so you know this is where we are now but i thought it would be kind of a fun little opening i asked my mom for permission to see if we can use it for the opening of the show because she was super upset jesus and it's wild and wacky yeah <laughs> now this these are proper podcast notes yeah so uh i thought that was kind of fun and uh as a little as a little uh update cool man i took a three-hour nap today Hey, man, while you're <laughs> that amount of time you spent napping, I spent contemplating my life and how whether we're going to get this damn couch into a, a door. You know, um, you know, when it's cold out and you like got to walk somewhere mm-hmm. or you want to walk, I guess. Yeah. Because um, we were out walking the dogs and it wasn't like brutally cold. It was like 22 out. Mm-hmm. But like when I got back in the house, I felt like the like the tendons and ligaments in like the back of my leg and like my hamstrings were like frozen over. Yeah, man. <laughs> and it sucks. It's a sign of aging. Cause like my, when I was helping my mom, my shit, my knee popped like really loud and it fucking hurt for yeah. like a solid forty five minutes. Started to shake it off a little bit near the end, but I don't. Know. It's that UPS man. Yeah, <laughs> they they fuck their bodies up real good. Yeah, they 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 beat me down a little bit. Not gonna lie. I mean, you saw what happened to my foot that one day. This is true. Drop that hundred fifty pound cam down on it, and you're like, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be good. Yeah, definitely. So that was my morning. My mom picked me up like at eight thirty and. That was, that was basically my whole entire... Hey, man, you got your exercise in for the day? Oh, yeah. It was a workout, man. I was able to throw, like, the smaller couch over my head, so I still got some strength in this body. Yeah. A little old, beat yeah, down, maybe but... maybe we should start taking taking better care of ourselves. Perhaps. Yeah. It's only going to get worse and harder yes. as time goes on. Yeah, it sucks. And All right. didn't help the fact that it's fucking freezing. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So you, uh, you ready to rock and roll? Born ready to rock and roll. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Second City Kids Podcast, episode number 108. 108. Yeah, man. Trekking along to 200. No, too early to start that. Maybe 150? 125. (laughs) Yeah, all right. I think that's a happy medium. Yeah, because that's what? Probably about... That's a quarter of a year, right? No. 25 is like half the year, buddy. Yeah. There's 52 weeks. Oh, man. Think about it. That's going to be another two years before we hit that, that... So at least in 25 or 26 episodes, we're going to be in like end of September. So it's probably going to be like right after, right before your birthday. True. Huh, that's yeah. weird. Oh, man. Weird thoughts. Yeah. All right. Uh, so on this episode, we decided we're going to do four a week. No. <laughs> yeah, right. Fuck that. No, no, no. We don't even have the time for that. I don't think I could stand you four, four times a yeah, week anymore. Same. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> too much time apart. <laughs> Maybe when we still like barely knew each other. But. Yeah. Where we just was discovering the little nuances of each other's uh, personality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go ahead and kick off this podcast with some shit that made the internet explode. And I don't know how closely you follow the podcast news out there, Gabe. So basically, I didn't receive it, but I knew like a large portion of the podcast community, community did. Where uh, Apple's like, basically, if your podcast has the has the word episode and a number in it, 
that there's a good chance that they will delete you, delete your feed huh. from the the Apple Store. So naturally, everybody freaked the fuck out, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine like sixty percent of all podcasts use that nomenclature. Probably more. All right, and I was thinking about this. I'm like, let's think about the logistics of this. That's a lot of podcasts, right? And even for each individual podcast group that does that, there's hundreds of episodes. Think about Joe Rogan. 1,300 odd episodes. So you would have to change the name. Maybe not him personally. Jamie. Yeah, Jamie. (laughs) Jamie. Poor guy. (laughs) Would have to change every single fucking episode to fit this new thing. But naturally, with any big change, there can be a really big backlash from the community. And they're like... And basically, Apple was like, well, you misunderstood what we said. We didn't mean that we would remove you. <laughs> so basically, they kind of... You think that was a Disney thing? I don't know what the fuck's going on with that, but... Because episode and number? Nah. Star Wars? No? No, I think uh, that would be really... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, arrogant <laughs> of Disney to pull such thing. But I think, I don't know. They said something about the metadata. I don't know. I'm, I'm not that deep into the whole nerdum. The data about the data. That makes no sense, but all right. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. But they said that basically they weren't going to do it. But it was part of the whole, the shit, the shit storm that happened earlier this mm. week. Yeah. Interesting. Like I, interesting. Uh, like I said, I'm a member of a few Facebook groups when it comes to podcasting. And everybody's like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, I don't know, dude. I didn't get it. But some people did, and I just thought it was interesting. Uh, speaking of podcasts, things that worth noting. Oh, right. Right. Speak, we got Joe Rogan and yeah. Joe Rogan podcasts. You guys may have heard of him, right? So I yeah, think just this small kind of yeah. internet talk show, you know? Yeah, no big deal. Um, I think potentially one of the greatest podcasts in history. Very easily. Yeah. Especially not only one of the greatest podcasts, because he's definitely up there. But one of the best episodes of this particular podcast aired this week, uh-huh. and it was the episode with uh, Eddie Bravo and Alex Jones. <laughs> and this thing went, this bitch went, f- what, five hours, five 40 hour. minutes? Five hours and some change, yeah. Five hours and some change, man. Holy shit. I can't even think about sitting in a room for five hours thinking the things to talk about. Honestly, it was, man. It was <laughs> okay, so let me preface this by saying I didn't get all the way through it yet. I still got like 45 minutes left because I've been knocking this thing out in chunks. You have to. Yeah. You have to, man. I told you when I when I heard Bravo and Alex Jones fucking like arguing over shit, I was like, dude, I am losing brain cells by the second right now. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Hold on. Well, let me. Okay. Eddie Let's back it up. Let's back it up. Yeah. Eddie Bravo. He's an okay guy. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah. Some of his views. Views are a little. And his objectivity towards everything. Yeah. Well, I can't confirm it. Yeah. There's a, he's always contrary and always devil's advocate in that regard, right? So I, I get it. But Alex Jones, let's talk about this guy for a minute. Okay, don't get me wrong. He's a fucking lunatic, right? Now, not to say that he's not a lunatic with some good points, right? I think... All right, because I, I was thinking about this the other day, right? I think in the grand ocean of Alex Jones conspiracies and bullcrap, I think you pull out a couple of pearls, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there's some stuff in there that is either verifiable or, you know, makes sense in the long run, shit like that. But I think it's literally everything else that bogs him down yeah. so much. Because, you know, he, he was talking about some wild stuff, but, like, you know, not to say that I'm an Alex Jones advocate because I'm not. He did have some valid points. He, he's a man that draws solid conclusions um, 
even though you know a lot of the times it's like how the fuck did we get here yeah he's a, i was definitely give him put him in the category of, of intelligent misunderstood individual i think i like i said i don't think he's a dumbass i don't i think that's that's going too far but i think there is a way about his delivery of his message i think cuz he's very abrasive uh, this, this dude's like sandpaper yeah and um just kind of oh, like i said just the kind of the package that he delivers his message in is kind of even if you do slightly agree with him, you dislike him just due to the fact that he's the one who said it. it, it it's like if you're not an Alex Jones supporter, an Infowars supporter, right? And you're just kind of like general population kind of person. It's almost embarrassing to admit that he has a point because he's just so associated with, like I said, like the 99% of bullshit that he drops out. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, he, he, he is a good speaker at yeah. the end of the day. And he, he, he does have very few drops of validity in a lot of the shit he says mm -hmm. and yeah man i'd like to see uh you know what i'd like to see i'd like to see a monsters inc dub where they replace sully's voice with alex jones voice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah man th this podcast was wacky and uh it's kind of weird to listen about a podcast talk about another podcast yeah but fuck man there's some shit in there there's some really good shit yeah there. and like i said once i heard it was happening i'm like okay we all like everybody who's ever been a fan of a podcast ever needs to because we've had them both separately yeah we've had we've had Eddie Bravo for a number of episodes now yeah. he's like a good friend of jr but uh alex jones we've had a couple with him too but putting both those dudes in a room i feel like joe rogan was there just as the ref like all right time out time out and i think there's a uh there's a funny moment like about two hours in where eddie bravo finally joins the show and they talk about flat earth um, and, and alex jones is like no oh, fuck that that's too crazy even for me yeah and alex jones is like no absolutely not he's like you know what I'm going to send you to the ice wall. <laughs> You're going to be the one. Fuck the scientists. Fuck the astronauts. You're going to be the one that discovers that the earth is flat. And uh, listen to me. That whole thing had me fucking rolling on the floor. Oh, but, he freaked out on him. Yeah. God. But yeah. So like you said, it is a little. Uh, Honestly, um, if you're not the type of person to sit down and listen to it all, GRE clips oh, yeah. is the way to go. Because they'll, they'll break it up in a nice 20 25 minute sections for you and you can enjoy it absolutely and i listen to those on my way to work sometimes but man dude this one was fucking wild how, I mean, how do you feel about joe rogan as a whole as like as like a podcast obviously he's probably the most recognizable maybe outside of adam carolla as far as podcasting and kind of a pioneer in that um i'd say like him matt mercer carolla all yeah. those guys have very good podcasts yeah i think him he, he's kind of in the same boat as like a lot of his guests, man. Like they have a lot of very valid points. Mm -hmm. um, they have a lot of like scientific objectivity, but like the fact that like, you know, you don't believe we actually landed on the moon. Yeah. You know, it kind of puts you in that like, okay, maybe he's lost a little bit of his marbles. Yeah. And it's weird to think that like, cause if you listen to like a lot of those like drug episodes, like, Oh man, there was this crazy rich experience, you know, where, you know, and I'm totally like, I, I totally get that. I'm all for that. Finding yourself, you know, cause it's all, drugs are at the end of the day but then like listening to that it's like yeah man that's really insightful and then going to yeah man we never landed on the moon is like fuck dude yeah it's <laughs> a jump skip a jump skip and a fucking leap yeah it's a little weird but um somebody said i saw it in a meme once where it's like uh everybody's getting crazy about the joe rogan podcast yet we all had that stoner uh my my friend's stoner brother in the basement saying the same exact shit and nobody everybody looked like him like he was stupid and shit like that i thought it was kind of funny but i mean i think as far as um like being a podcast host in general, he's just he's just a, a good job. He's a good host, yeah. yeah. You can tell when he has somebody on the podcast that he like admires, like Elon Musk, because he'll like speak less and he'll like you know 
debate, argue, whatever it is. He's like less involved, and he'll just kind of let them roll with it. Yeah, because he's like almost in awe, especially with the Elon Musk episode where he was like, "What? What do you mean? Is that that? What? You're working on that? Huh? Like that <laughs> that type of stuff." Uh, he had a great one with James Hetfield from Metallica. I thought that was a pretty good one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like you said, it's kind of meta to be talking a podcast within a podcast. But I, I think his guests overall. I think that guest lineup isn't going to get any better, man. He's had so many like good. Uh, Famous, influential people. You name it. Yeah. You name it. He's had him on. But Very cool. All right. So, so let's get back to our podcast. Yes. This is what we do. So uh, I looked at this agenda, Gabe, and did you put anything on here at all? Dude, I did not, man. I had a very busy week. That's fair. That's fair. My week was, my week was so busy, I didn't even get a chance to buy those The Ghost Inside tickets. Yeah. And it sold out in 30 minutes. Well, we'll, we'll speak to, about that. Yeah, we'll get there. But yeah, uh, man. All right. So let's go ahead and open up uh, with movies. All right. So. Oh, you finally saw Tag. Yeah. This is, I think I gave this review almost like a year ago, roughly this time. Oh, so you saw it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we saw it. Uh, okay. We talked about it. I know we did the trailer review when that dropped. Yeah. But yeah, me and Maddie watched it. So what'd you think, man? Talk to me about it. I fucking love this yeah, movie. Yeah, it was a great movie, right? It's a cute little movie. It's very wholesome. Yeah. Um, it's obviously, there's a, the level of the ridiculousness smeared on top because it's a movie, right? And you need to sell those things or a movie based on those type of things, especially a comedy, right? There has to be those kind of ridiculous man. moments. Can you really call this thing a comedy at the end of the day, though? There's comedy elements, but is it I is mean, it a comedy? It's kind of had an action vibe to it. They had some chase downs that were like phenomenal. Uh, Jeremy Renner was straight out of the born. The yeah, born, sp- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the, the, I think it's like it, it's really just a drama with comedy elements, man. If you look the way like it was directed and shot, and yeah. The- so, uh, like I said, me and Adrian, I sat down. I'm like, fuck it, let, let's do it. I mean, um, you know, it was we were born. And I think it was after the podcast. I'm like, fuck it, let's do it. So we watched it. And I'm like. I like this movie more than I dislike it. Like that was my, my first thing that entered my head. And then kind of that second part kind of just tail off. I'm like, I really enjoyed this fucking movie. Well, cause it comes off at this kind of sweet, innocent, like, yeah, one and done, never touch it again. $5 Walmart bin type of movie. Absolutely. Right? Cause like these guys are playing a game of tag, but then when everything kind of comes full circle and after the wedding and after you realize what the fuck is going on, it's, it's really beautiful. It Absolutely. Is. It's yeah. just five guys, which I've, had right before the podcast, by the way. I know. I'm fucking... uh, it's these five guys just trying to stay in touch. As yeah. Life inevitably separates all of them. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's fucking brutal, man. Yeah, it, it's crazy. And um, just like, you know, I don't want to give spoilers to it, but there's a circumstances that leads to this being kind of the most important year of, of it all, right? And um, there was a moment when like you know at the hospital and stuff like that where he's like i don't i I don't this might be my last year like i need i wanted to do this one last time because i don't know if i'm gonna be here and that was like really upsetting and sad and uh kind of his friend giving himself up in that moment was such a beautiful thing and next thing you know you know they're running around and they're like amendment girls are allowed to and then the wives are getting involved (laughs) and it's just man she's like you're gonna fucking regret this and it's just mass chaos and it's a beautiful movie, and I love how it was actually kind of based on a, a true story. They had the clips of the real group. The pictures at the yeah, end, yeah. Of them chasing each other around, dressed up as old ladies. There's a priest in, involved in all that, and he's still fucking around with his, with his group <laughs> of friends. I thought it was kind of awesome. I really enjoyed this movie. Like I said, it's not going to be like an Oscar movie, I think. I think it was a very good underdog movie. Yeah. Because I feel like we saw this trailer, and we're like, huh. Yeah, okay, maybe when, you know, it comes out. Yeah. And then you watch it, and you're like, damn, why, you know, we should have watched this in theaters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a great little experience, and I think it's a great story because just because, you know, you and your friends maybe come from the same place doesn't mean you're all going to end up in the same spot. It's a story we can all relate to. Absolutely. And uh, they did a great job with it, and I think yeah. it's something they should be Absolutely, man. Good, good kind of underdog in that scene. But, yeah, brutal fucking shit yep. in that film. All right, moving on to so a little bit of bad news. So, arguably. Good news. Well, good news for Will Smith. For his career. Yeah. 
uh, arguably the best part of the Suicide Squad movies was his Will Smith's betrayal of Deadshot, right? I think that's fair. Uh, I guess because James Gunn is involved, and I guess Will has beef with James Gunn and some of the accusations that was lobbed against him, Will Smith decided to opt out of the new Suicide Squad movie. Mm. Yeah, DC's feeling the burn, huh? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I don't know if they're going to recast him or they're going to kill him off or what. But like I said, I think arguably that was probably one of the better parts of the movie was his betrayal. So I think it's interesting moving forward. I mean, we all know that DC is just getting fucking drop kicked every fucking second when it comes to the cinematic universe. And uh, I kind of feel bad for them at this point. Cause it's yeah, like- the Shawshank Redemption didn't win. I can't remember which award it was, but the Suicide Squad movie did. What? Yeah. I'll get back to you on that. But it was something that... You know the Shawshank Redemption didn't win the awards, any real awards, because it came out the same year Forrest Gump did? Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. And uh, and Suicide Squad won. I think we're on the same thing here. I just can't put a fucking finger on it. Ah. Um, here's my thing. And... Uh, Is it adapted screenplay? What? The, the award? No, I don't think it's adapted screenplay. Wow. It's something bigger, much bigger. But... um. James Gunn, like him or not, he's a pretty solid writer. And, mm-hmm. you know, Marvel gave him up. DC hopped on the opportunity. I get it. It's business. It's cutthroat at the end of the day. And I understand and respect Will Smith's choice. But what is Suicide Squad hanging on to now besides a better writer? Because your, your your cast wasn't all that likable. I'd say now next up is Margot Robbie. But here's the issue with the whole Harley Joker thing. It's really so played out at this point and so braided. And, and so I feel like Harley Quinn, and I hate to say it because I love the character and I love, you know, the whole Batman villains gallery and all that stuff. But I feel like Harley Quinn has now become synonymous with, like, white trash. There's some truth to that. And and, there's, and that's unfortunate. It really is. Yeah. It really is unfortunate. And I feel like after that movie came out, it really kind of pushed that towards the, the forefront. Is that the accent? No, not the accent. You don't think it's the accent? I think it's all these, like, all these kind of, like, trailer park trash girls and, you know, your, your typical, like, uh, like, you know those people you knew in high school where you're like, I'm staying far the fuck away from you. My, I'm going to need, like, six shots of penicillin if I, you know, yeah. if I come within, like, contact with you, right? Yeah. I feel like a lot of, like, those girls and that kind of mindsets are the ones going out in, like, Harley Quinn pajamas and... I don't know, dude. I think they're like like epitomizing this kind of abusive relationship. And there's some truth to that. Next time you go to the mall, man, keep your eyes peeled. Yeah. You'll see it. You'll see it, and you won't unsee it. Because somebody pointed this out to me, and I fucking hate them. Hold on. Speaking of pointing something out that you can't see, so I saw a meme today on Facebook where it's the bass player from Green Day, and they put him face to, or side by side with uh, Vladimir Putin, and they look exactly the same. Now I can't unsee it. Can you see it? Can you picture it in your head? Because if you can, I got a side-by-side picture, and it will totally fucking ruin it for okay. you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, I get your point. Um, Putin's punk double life. Yeah, man. But yeah, uh, I think it is interesting. And I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I do agree with you to a point. Uh, Margo did a decent job with the whole Harley Quinn thing. She did a great job. Yeah. Um, but Talk, who, who name me some of the other actors that's not Will Smith or Margot Robbie. Jay Hernandez, he played Diablo, but that's because but he's I know dead, right? Yeah, Diablo died. And and aside from him, I think everybody else is pretty yeah. much fucking forgettable. Yeah, I can't even think. Because the Australian guy, uh, who's oh, what's Boomerang, Jai Courtney, is that his name? Whatever. Yeah, but his character, I can't even remember the character's name at the moment. Captain Boomerang, yeah. 
Captain Boomerang. Because uh, well, they're getting they're getting Black Manta and Suicide Squad now, right? I think so. Yeah. How much are you gonna do with a man in a fucking you know aquarium helmet? I mean, you could do something. <laughs> you could definitely do something. But I think they're more focused focused on the Birds of Prey, which I guess is in kind of a side gig because Margot Robbie's in it. Uh, I know they cast uh, what's her name, uh, Mary Mary Elizabeth Winstead as somebody I don't remember who. Um, but I know they got those that kind of working. They started to do like the test shots for that. Yeah, man, we will see. So now, like, what's the continuity? Is Jared Leto still going to be Suicide Squad Joker? And we're going to have River Phoenix as, uh, or Joaquin Phoenix, I'm sorry. <laughs> River Phoenix. Whoops. <laughs> he's, he's dead as fuck, bro. Yeah. Well, <laughs> is that Freudian slip? And we're going to have, you know, Joaquin Phoenix as every other Joker? Or, like, what's going on? I don't know. You know? DC's kind of slipping, man. There's, like, very little consistency. It's a mess. And, you know, with a big name like Will Smith that probably drew a lot of these people to the initial screen showing gun. How are you going to attract them now? I think that's definitely fair. And on top of the whole, like I said, we have we don't have a dead shot. We don't have a Batman. Affleck dropped out. Like, what do we do? Yeah. What it's going to be interesting. Unless they get, like, all these, like, up-and-coming actors they are going to be the next big thing. It's almost like a power vacuum for these roles now because it's like you take all the spots. You take it all, you take it away too fast, and next thing you know, it's like, who's going to fill the role and what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, I mean? I all right. So, so, hang on. Let's take this down a little rabbit hole real quick. How many movies do you think is the right amount for a particular actor in a certain, let, let's just say superhero role. Um, I, it depends on the role and depends on the actor, man. Honest to God. Um, cause Affleck's had what? Three now? Three. The first Batman, Batman V soups, right? Batman V soups, J- justice league and suicide squad. Oh, and a little bit of wonder woman too, but, not a lot. So two and a half, let's say. Yeah, that's two. That's two and a half. Yeah. And he's a very what'd you say, forgettable Batman? Middle of the road. Middle of the road. Decent Batman. Decent Batman. But that's because the only reason why he's in the middle of the road is because we've had a ton of bad Batmans. We've had George Clooney, we had Val Kilmer. I think Michael Keaton's a bad Batman. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Uh and obviously Adam West Batman, which is iconic but not that's particularly accurate to the role, right? Um But uh, Did I send you that article where Adam West would take a, uh, what's his name, Burt Reynolds to like these crazy ass orgies. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But we need uh, that Batman on screen. Yeah, but so I don't know, man. Like, you know, like I said, he's kind of middle of the road by default, though. Yeah, by default, not necessarily because he was great. I mean, uh, Christian Bale's number one, and then it gets really murky. <laughs> three seems to be a very good number for the main series because three three main Captain Americas, you get um one. To Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier was two. Winter Soldier and then Civil, Civil War, War, right? Because that's yeah. a cat movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Iron Man has three. Can we talk about that? I really don't like that. I know I understand why it's a cat, or why it was important to kind of label it that, but it wasn't really necessarily just a cat. Civil War. Aside from being, aside from having that iconic fight scene, it was really a, a, a it was really the downfall of us all. That's one. Um, and <laughs> yeah, man, it was totally botched and you know me, I, I like my Marvel comics and they, they ruined that. They ruined Ultron. And I feel like that led to my hopping off the choo-choo train, but, but yeah, I mean, all right, let, let's change lanes here. Right. Um, Batman, the dark Knight, three movies. Yeah. Fantastic. Three movies. And there was no tie in to, to anything else. Those standalone. Would you have been interested to see more of Christian Bale bat? Or you think that was the perfect place to end? I wouldn't say it was a perfect place to end. I'd say it was a good place to end. He had his up, he had his peak, he had his downfall, and his return. And we got all those things in the span of 
six, seven hours, right? Yeah. And, and it was a solid place to leave off. I feel like any more and either Nolan or Bale would have overstayed their welcome in the franchise. And I love both. And I think, I think so. it works very well together. Like it's a, it's a very well-balanced PBJ sandwich, but a little bit of A or a little bit of B, you know, it could have thrown it out of proportion. I think that's definitely fair. That's definitely a fair assessment. Because, all right, e- even if you toss them in for like one cameo, it's like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. But then where's the line? Where do you draw the line? Because if you do one, well, why not do two, right? It's definitely pie in the sky, though. I mean, we'll never have an answer. But it's definitely an interesting talking point. Because I don't know. Like when... Because humans are naturally... Um, they, they, they are appealed by things that come in threes. Because the triangle is the most stable shape, right? And I'm sure there's a lot of like psychological... It is, I promise you. But, you know, trilogy. How much better does that sound than a saga or an anthology? Trilogy. You know, just think about it. Just think about the diction of that word and the way it comes off and the connotation. Why do you think the Godfather isn't called a trilogy? It's called a saga. <laughs> because nobody wants to talk about number three. Oh, uh, that's a good point. <laughs> you, re- you remember that one? I don't. I mean, it's all right. It's not nearly no. as good as the other two. Not even Undercooked. Close. Yeah, it's not even close. But Undercooked. It's not horrible. It was like, you know what it was, man? It was like the first two movies are like going. Have you ever been to like a, like an expensive steakhouse? Yes. It's like that. And going to something like that for your first time. And then when your dad grills up steak at home, you're like, wow, this is horseshit. When it should have been the other way around. You should have had the, the mediocre steak first. Like my, my parents always did their steaks well done. And I just thought that's the way steak was. <laughs> and then my sister married her husband. And this dude's like a fucking like a wizard on the grill. It's insane. And he does the best medium fucking rare steaks. They're so perfect. And I was like, wow. Steak is titties. This shit is so good. Oh, it doesn't have to be like a rubber. Uh, quick interjection. My mom is like, I don't know what it is, but whatever Gabe says titty, titties, it makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> so sorry, mom. But yeah, sorry. is your mom over right now? Huh? Is she over? No, she's not over. No, she just when she listens to the show. Oh, I got you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. I, no, I think there's some there's some something to be said about that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think. So hang on. Let's backtrack a bit because I feel like we're lost. But so. How many movies would you... I'd say three is a pretty solid number. Three main ones. Because Cap's been in probably like seven or eight at this point, right? Yeah, if you include all the Avengers and shit like that. I think... Um, I think, But I think it's... The difference is is that I feel like when it comes to the DC formula... They don't or, have a grand scheme. They the, don't. There's that and there's like, well, we're going to toss them in because, well, we need Batman. As opposed to like maybe RDJ like... He's gone for a little bit so we can miss him. Like he's not in every single you know, every single iteration. iteration. Yeah. Like he wasn't in Ant Man Ant Man or Ant Man and the Wasp and stuff like that. You know what I mean? He did when he doesn't need to be there, he's not. Well, like, well, but we did have see some bats in Wonder Woman and stuff like that. Like it's just constant. Like he was in Suicide Squad for a little bit. Like, did he really I mean, I get it for the Harley Quinn storyline, he does need to be there, but does he have to physically be there? Can it be more like in mentioning and passing? Like, you know, especially since it was so minuscule and little anyways, as far as his like. Yeah. What would you bill him for that anyway? Yeah. I don't know. Like the participation factor was so minuscule. Have you seen Deadpool 2 yet? I have not. All right. Then we'll talk about that story a different time. Okay. But um, yeah, no, I feel you. And it's a very interesting topic to, to kind of discuss. Maybe we'll, we'll do a deep dive another time. Yeah. Because we got some other topics and news to cover. But yeah, I, I think that was an interesting little rant. Little, yeah. 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 Rabbit hole. 
All right, that's moving along. So, Little Dicky. No, your, great. Your favorite rapper. Not mine. My favorite rapper. Really? One of, one of mine. I All love right. that. I love this guy. Maybe early Little Dicky. He's become everything he's sworn to defeat. Like what? How? <laughs> he's so... Have you heard the song he did it with Chris Brown? I have. It is cringe. It's funny, though. The max level. It's funny, though. It's such a cheap shot. It's like no creativeness. It's Are you funny. Me? It's funny. Whatever, man. All right. So, uh, he's getting his own uh, TV show. I guess comedy comedy i think it's on fx they're saying he's gonna get like i imagine the, the way i imagine it is it's ridiculousness with little dicky <laughs> it's like in my head i don't know why i picture it like that but i'd imagine we're not very far off with that what do you think i don't really care for it i'd imagine to be in that kind of yeah well, this, style this funny clip <laughs> no, well, those, those shows really started to popularize with like tosh point oh i feel like that was yeah like, or like ray william johnson you remember that guy on youtube oh my god yeah i feel like that was the the boom that started it all. Yeah, I forgot. And he fell that. off. And there was the face of the fucking earth. I remember they had a Ray William Johnson without Ray Ray William Johnson channel without Ray William Johnson. Yeah, because that's when he left to do law. Yeah, and uh, so, who else? Uh, who else was known for that? Yeah, uh, you ever driving on the highway? I believe it's on ninety four or fifty five, and they got the signs. There's like basement leaking, got you freaking. You ever seen those? No. It looks like Ray William Johnson on there. I'll take a picture next time I see it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Fuck. Where were we? Little Dicky TV show. Yeah. Uh, here's my thing. Once you start to binge the Eric Andre show, your taste of comedy gets real fucking warped. <laughs> Have you ever seen clips or episodes? I, I, I've seen some of the memes that come out from it. Dude, should... you need to watch clips because then you're going to be like these, these foo-foo ass safe comedy shows aren't going to cut it anymore, man. I got gotcha. you. You're going to be chasing that dragon. <laughs> does, so Eric Andre he does these interviews and have like celebrities on there, right? But the... the the interviews will start off normally, and he does them for like an hour, but it's condensed down to like two or three minutes, right? And so it'll start off real normal, and it'll like devolve into madness. Like they'll crank up the heat to like 100 degrees, so they're like glistening. <laughs> <laughs> and like there's all these stupid ass wild fucking gags going on. We're going to pull up some clips after the show, man, because it's you're going to like lose your shit at this. Noted. But noted. once you start doing that, man, these kind of safe, like, oh, let's play YouTube clip. Let's play a clip, yeah. It's like I could, I could literally go to YouTube. I don't got to sit down and, and block off half an hour of my day on FX to do this. Now, don't get me wrong. I like Rob Deerdreck. Deerdreck. I don't even know how to say his fucking... Deerdeck? Yeah, Deerdeck. Uh, but I, he made the clips less funny to me. Like, I would watch... Rob Deerdeck was weird, man. I, I I would watch the clip, and I'm like, yeah, that was funny that he would make, like, a joke. They're like... And, <laughs> and you have Chanel West Coast going, yeah, or whatever the fuck, laughing oh, in the background. God. You're just like, oh, you ruined it. Yeah, he, he's telling a joke he didn't write. Yeah, was, that's true, too. Yeah. Man, should have left it at Robin Big, but... Oh, well. Show. Probably big was a good show. Oh well, can we get Bam Margera to host one of those shows? But like, we just let him drink. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, I was thinking. I saw a clip on uh, fucking uh, YouTube the other day where Bam sticks his head out the door. He's like, "You want the stupid of the day or the stupid of the jour?" And fucking Dino's wrapped up in a fucking chair. He's like, "The same fucking thing." <laughs> hey Vito, you want the stupid of the day or the stupid of the jour? Same fucking thing. <laughs> Oh man, those early Viva La Bam days were fucking great. They were fantastic. I gotta get me that collection on DVD, man. I need to get a HD remaster. Man, that'd oh, be great, wouldn't it? I'd I hop would, on that in a heartbeat. I would, I would totally buy that. I I would totally spend like sixty bucks on that. I would if you tag on Bam's on Holy Union. I'm I'm totally in. Yeah, man, it was part of our childhood. Yeah, yeah, that's some good shit. Good but yeah, shit. Moving along. Sorry, I didn't mean to. <laughs> What's up next? Uh, well, we're down to gaming. All right. Okay, I think we covered this topic a while back, Modern Warfare 2 Remastered. I guess it's a thing. It's a real thing now. Yeah. Um, 
I believe last time we talked about it, the idea was that it's going to be story mode only, right? Or the campaign only? Something like that, yeah. Uh, do we know if this is still holds water? Uh, no, I, don't, I haven't heard anything about that aspect of it anymore. I think that kind of fell really quickly at the wayside. I think it would be ridiculous. I mean, I know, um, you know, with the Infinity War thing and bundled it along with the first Modern Warfare, I did it pretty well. I know a lot of people were playing, at least initially, and then it kind of went away. Yeah, and then you realize that everything that made the first Call of Duty great was superseded by the following ones or done better on top of it. Yeah. It was the first time everything came together well in the first Modern Warfare, and that's why it was great at the time. Yeah. It aged fine. It didn't age beautifully or well or nor poorly. It was just right there in the middle. It was fun for, what, the two months? we, Maybe a little less? Yeah, definitely. The six weeks we put into it? Now, I will say the best thing about that whole thing was the sound the sound design was such a yeah so. the sound design was great but you still had the old school annoyances like the m16 yeah uh the noob tubes were you know even though supposedly they were they were cut a bit they were still powered man um the time when you would fucking spawn in on uh on bog and you'd get sniped like that by some asshole with the beret um <laughs> yeah no you're uh, right it's 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 interesting but um also because kind of in the same vein i mean i, I know we have limited opinions on the whole call of duty but at this point both just worn out at this point yeah yeah uh but from what i understand because you know capcom the guys behind re2 and oh you know, i'm familiar with capcom they're yeah, saying this little indie studio you might be familiar oh yeah with. and a little, little another little thing we're, we're shouting out the little guys today um apparently uh um, shouting out the, the yeah. little guys <laughs> she uh not she they have stated that basically the whole the future of capcom is the past so basically they're going to take all their older properties and give us some love. Now, I know mixed feelings about the whole remaster thing, but if everything is done with the same amount of attention as RE2, four years of development, though, they're not going to be cranking them out. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. It's different. That's completely different. If they're going to try and do it on like a biannual schedule, so new main release and then remaster the following year, it's going to be rough. Yeah, I don't know. Well, like I said, I don't know what new properties they're coming out with. They've been very quiet. I think... With the whole uh, Marvel versus Capcom thing really tanking, like it did not do well. Well, they all. got Devil May Cry coming out. They do. Um, but I'm sure they got some stuff that we're totally like go, it's going right over right our heads. Yeah, I know, but I think that like I said, I just think it's interesting that the company directive is the future is the past. Welcome to 2019, I think where all- everything is the way it was 20 years ago in HD. Isn't that scary though? Yeah, it's very scary. It's terrifying because. Man, I've said this probably more times than I can count. We're at a point where, and Capcom and all these big money-hungry companies have realized this. Their audience now is the same as it was 20 years ago, except now we have the cash to front it instead of our parents. Because back then, it was, Mom, I want a game. Nope, not this week. Mm -mm. Need food. Or whatever the fuck it was, right? No. Now it's like, well, you know, maybe I could not go out for lunch once or twice a week and i'd be good for this game do you think i mean i don't know it's kind of hard to say because i feel like our the generation that you and i grew up in was like the perfect place to start new ips because the way video games changed the older crowd fell off of it but when it evolved when we were coming up it bred more um lifers as far as like the gaming front, like us, us as the consumer, we became the lifers as we're gamers to, for life. Yeah. As gamers, opposed to gamers for their twenties. Yeah. I, I don't, like I said, I don't know because maybe the complexity, the jump in complexity from the Atari 2600 to maybe the, the N64, not the N64, but the super Nintendo was greater 
than maybe the jump from the N64 to what we got now. I don't know what's you know exactly what happened, but I feel like maybe oh, man. not so. to not to say that there's not you know those guys who are lifetime fans of gaming, but I feel like the number is a lot smaller coming from that era than there is in the area. I think there's some significance to your statement. I also think kind of looking back at our at kind of the era of us growing up, I think that our generation was kind of the one where everything prior to us, I feel like it was mostly like free play time, which is like unsupervised, you know, you and your friends, no parents around type of shit. And I feel like it was mostly that as opposed to video games. But then when we got to like our generation, like the, the millennials, it was 50 50. Because a lot of the times, you know, we'd be out and about with friends and stuff. Mm -hmm. But then you'd go home and you'd dump hours into a game because I didn't have a brother or sister my age growing up, you know. Yeah. So a lot of my alone time, it's like reading or video games or TV or a combination of the three. And I feel like that was a very nice split. And going forward, that split even further is towards the video game or electronic side. But I feel like us, we were like right there. We were the first generation where it was like... I, I truly do feel like we spend an equal amount of time with our friends out there doing hooligan shit, you know, as we all do, but then also either with or without your friends at home playing video games. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. And they hold almost greater significance because we came in a time where video games were not coming out as a children's thing. They were coming out as art. And it showed that a video game can have a fucking great story. You remember Gun? You remember that story? That was a fucking good story. And it was kind of more, it was greater than the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. You know? You remember a lot of those early games, man? I was thinking you more like... GTA, like San Andreas? Thinking that. I was thinking like Final Fantasy X. There you go. Stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think there's... That was like our time, man. Yeah. Like even like the OG Resident Evil 2. It's a work of art. It, it you know, it aged poorly. Yeah. But, but they, it is a work of art for, for when it cranked out. It was a interactive horror experience. Yeah. And it was... I don't want to say it was the first one of its kind because I'm sure that shit's been around for a while, but it was the first one you could bring home with you. Yeah. And that didn't have to necessarily be a movie. Yeah, I think that's definitely an interesting statement. I'm not, like I said, I, I'm not, I can't, I don't have any facts or numbers equating old school 80s gamers to today and how, like how they stayed the test of time. I don't have numbers obviously in front of me, but I think it's definitely something that can be evaluated moving forward, maybe coming from us or somebody with much more power. But um, yeah, I don't know because. I feel like t today's generation of gamer, the gamer that comes out today. Like the, the 16 year olds now, right? I'm thinking even younger. Like I'm talking 14 about, year olds yeah, now? Yeah, 13, 14. It's so wrapped up in like. I don't the even microtransaction know. Microtransaction era? That and like just the, the kind of the devil's advocate of the like. Culture. For, like, like the Fortnite of it all. Like, oh, I like it because you don't. As like us. From our, from our perspective, from our age, I feel like obviously they enjoyed the, the game. But they like it mainly because we don't and we stay away from it. I think because it's free. <laughs> well, I think it's a big part of it. I mean, because we didn't really have that. We never had free. Yeah. Games weren't free for us. I mean, well, unless you went to fucking Pizza Hut. Yeah. And then you got demo the, discs. Absolutely. But, but that's that you had to leave the house. You know what I mean? To get that. Or my, my dad. different, man. Like my dad, he worked at Sam's and he would bring home the little demo disc that they would have in, in, the, in the magazines. No, like in the consoles. Huh? In the, in the at the store, damn, that's fucking titties. Yeah, see, sorry, mom. <laughs> um, but I think it's just so it's just an interesting state as far as us because those games, I feel like the games that we came up with, sure they had like the more mature themes, but they were targeted towards kids. They wanted kids to play these stories. They and, were I don't want to say easily accessible, but the themes, yeah, and maybe sort of the whole 
the surface level point of what the game was trying to get across was tangible. Yeah. As opposed to something Fortnite or Apex or Rainbow Six Siege where there is no surface or, level meaning. Yeah. Where it's you go in, you fuck people up, you get out. Yeah. And it's funny because all those games that are like the like pinnacle of single player experiences all came from an era of where we were the ones that were behind it. So, for instance, like the God of War. God of War was around when we were kids. Red Dead Redemption, that game was around when we were kids. Now, like as far as like new IPs, we don't really get those. The last like real I me, mean, obviously outside of the Dark Souls and stuff like that. But the last real IP that the last I, of us, yeah, that where it was like it was a new thing, and we're gonna emphasize story, and you're gonna love it because that's 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 the story and that, that we're was to tell. six years ago, longer. What was it? 2010. Yeah, I think give or take nine years. That game's almost a decade old. Yeah, don't make me cry. I will. But um, that's interesting, man. Because it, it's it's a shift in priorities that's happened. Yeah, it's a shift in delivery, del- delivery, delivery. <laughs> uh, monetization and priorities man the gaming space isn't the same as it was when we were growing up it's not even the same it was 10 years ago Mm -mm. it's scary i would even argue to say it's not even the same it was five years ago remember the first dlc you bought the very first one yeah i remember my first one very first dlc i bought i remember my first one what is it um i so there was a point in time where my dad got laid off and we're struggling financially right and so what I would do is I would just kind of give them whatever it was, my birthday money or whatever the fuck it was, right? And then the first year after that, where they were like, we'll be okay. You can keep the money for yourself. I put that shit away. And I think I waited till Christmas. And then a couple months after that, and I was like, I'm going to get myself an Xbox 360. And so I didn't even buy a new one. I didn't even go to the store. My buddy's cousin was selling his with like, you know, Sharpie on it and all this stuff, right? It was like beaten. Mm-hmm. He was like, I want $100 for it. You get two controllers and two games. I was like, all right, fuck it. Here you go, $100, right? Assassin's Creed 2, played through that shit. Great game. And then I saw, after I finished the game and everything in it, right? I was like, oh, fuck, I could get more. And I got the two DLCs for it for like, I don't know, 10, 12 bucks, something like that. I'm thinking... And that was my first DLC. I'm thinking it had something to do with Vegas 2. Maybe a map, I'm thinking. Because I think, I'm trying to remember if that MLG map was with the game, if it got packaged with the game. Because they had like a uh, Las Vegas Convention Center map in Vegas 2. <laughs> Sounds edgy. Well, no, because it was there was literally like an MLG huh. map, like a, like an MLG <laughs> like, uh, interesting. Sh- like showcase. But it was in the th- it was like the most meta thing in the world because it was a game that people were playing on the MLG level playing on a map that was an MLG level. Like it was so, it was the weirdest thing. I don't remember if that came with the game though. I don't remember. Huh? Yeah. I don't know. That's I could tell you. Maybe, I don't know. So maybe, maybe something to do with modern warfare two or modern, War- modern warfare one, maybe two. Cause they had those, they had the, the Chinatown, map. the Chinatown map. And there, there's the other one. Too. But I don't remember which one came first. No, I can't. It's in my mind. Copy that. Yeah. But, but those are both on, what is that? Six gen? Yeah, three sixty PS three, six gen. Well, they went because before that, would you really have? No, not much. Well, I'm sure there there are a handful of games. Like I know, Knights of the Old Republic one had DLC, but it was free. All you had to do was figure out a way how to fucking how to get up. it. <laughs> yeah, how to get your Xbox and your router connected. And back then, it was like Gypsy Magic. It was, you know. I remember like, oh man, I was just remembering thinking back. I'm like, man, that was such a foreign concept to us back in the. You day. remember? 
I remember the very first time I set up a Wi-Fi connection in my household. And I, I read like books on it. I read all these pamphlets. I watch YouTube videos. And I was like ready to go in on this bitch. But now it's like, what are you fucking stupid? <laughs> Just plug the one and two in and call it a day. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, man. I remember that. I think I was like, I think I was like 13 years old because I had I had just bought a Nintendo DS and I wanted I had Pokemon on it and it was the first time you could trade Pokemon over the World Wide Web. I was like, I need this shit. He's just, just like crack. Th- this man just ju- dropped the World Wide Web. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I was thinking about it too because I'm like, man, because I remember I was playing Vegas one when I hooked up the Wi-Fi and I was just playing Terrorist Hunt back then. Cause it was like the funnest thing in the world playing terrorist like by myself or with my cousin or whoever. And we just played for hours, just tea hunt. And then the Wi-Fi thing became, a, became a thing. It was like, became started to come to residential homes and we started to do it. And I'm like, well, I think I read in my manual that the PlayStation three has Wi-Fi. has Wi-Fi. I'm like, so if I could figure this out, that means I could finally plan play games on the internet like I always wanted because <laughs> I remember like I'm like man I would love to do that in Battlefront 2 like those days right but I'm like oh, let me see if I can figure this out and I figured it out and I'm like I'm like I said I remember I do remember this I was sitting at the basement of my house my mom's house and uh on 68th and I was sitting in the basement and I'm like okay let's see it works I click it was the uh, the Las Vegas University map and I'm just sitting there and I'm like well I hope it works and I see people join then I'm like it fucking worked. It was like it was like it was like amazing. It was, it was amazing. a whole other world. It was an amazing experience, and I remember because I'm like, oh man, I'm excited to play, and I got fucking waxed because I didn't know what I did. I realized at that moment that I was not actually good at the game, <laughs> and that these people were really good at the game. And I'm like, man, I got to get better, and that's where the whole fascination and Vegas one took over my life at that point. Very cool. Now thinking about not now we live in a day and age where you have a young family member come over and they won't say hi about the last for the Wi-Fi password. Not, not even on top of that, not even that, but like back when the, like the multiplayer aspect of it all was like an optional experience, but now it's like the experience. Here's this great game. By the way, you could play this with your friends online, yeah. but now it's like here's this game you could play with your friends. Here's the game, and you- maybe story there's this game that you have to play with your friends otherwise it's not an enjoyable experience priorities have shifted gaming space has changed you know who else got their ass kicked this week who bioware because anthem flopped like fucking uh lebron james in the fucking playoffs it's bad yeah but lebron has some sort of redeeming qualities whether you like him or not yeah um i can't say the same for well, I'm not gonna talk down you, on it. I didn't, I didn't buy it. Yeah. I'm sure I'd find something, but visuals probably visuals mm. movement. Yeah, but yeah, man, it, there's, Appar- there's stuff to be said. And but Bioware is this, this is the guy the guys who made Mass Effect. These are the guys that made the first Kotor. I hold these guys. I held these guys in very high regard. <laughs> oh no! And now, oh. man, it's just like it's almost as if anything that EA slaps their name on, just they cannibalize their fucking subsidiaries, man. Just fucking dies, unless it's a FIFA yeah. game dies even madden even madden took it in the knees this year <laughs> even madden took a knee <laughs> oh that's funny man yeah i don't know who buys fifa games yearly why i don't know i bought one one time because i wanted to make my own player and, and play but that was like it i never bought one another. i never felt the need to buy another one i've never bought one i've been gifted maybe one or two before that's it 
I'm not going to go out of my way to buy a sports game. The best, the best FIFA was FIFA 97, and I remember because I had it on my laptop at school. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What's the next topic? We've been, we've been hunting these red holes, huh? Oh, uh, the oh Fortnite. Oh, my God. With Fortnite, Fortnite, Fortnite. So, so. Yeah, uh, a buddy actually told me this the other night while we were playing Apex. Okay, go ahead. Um, they are copying some aspects of the Apex system, right? Yeah, you're going to be able to revive your friend now. You'll be able to bring your friend back to life in kind of a banner system, which I think coming from Fortnite is hysterical because they're the ones that are saying, oh, we did this first. We did that first. How dare you? The dance. We made this dance famous. (laughs) Uh, But yet, here they are, blatantly, clear as day, ripping off a very central mechanic of Apex. Of Apex. Arguably one of the things that made Apex stand out. Is that making it is, is that you're not out till everyone's out. Are you is that a main defeat? What? To take this system and use it as your own? I think it's gonna be interesting. I I think the true factor is gonna be what it how the execution is. Cause um I mentioned it over the mic that yeah, you know, and some people set trends, others follow them, right? Yeah. And that's true to an extent. And then my buddy countered with yeah, but some people innovate and change, and some people implement those things differently, and it works better for different IPs. So I think it, it depends a lot on that, because you and I may see it as, yeah, they're they're kind of ripping what Apex had going for it, and, you know, it, it's, it is at the end of the day, right? Because Apex is the first to implement, but if Fortnite does it well, I don't think they'll do it better. I think there's room enough to do it well. Well, I think the, the the problem I'm having with it is I don't think Fortnite, by its nature, is necessarily a team game. Like it's not built to have multiple. It's singles or doubles, right? Well, they have they have like quads and stuff and stuff like that. But I'm saying, as far as when the game was built and how, like how the infrastructure was laid out, they didn't. I don't believe they had team based thing. It was solos. You only had solos, and that's all that really mattered. And granted, you know they, these things they have oh fifty versus fifty. That's cool and all. But it wasn't built on that. It was built on a solo experience and you playing by yourself originally. So it's important for Apex to have that system because it's integrated into the very mechanics of the game. But something like this is just tacked on. It's not going to feel the same. And it's definitely not going to work as well, I don't feel. so. And, I mean, y'all don't know how much you've been playing much of Fortnite. I play a little bit of it. The moment you died or the moment you went down, you're team- your teammates just walk right past you. They don't give a fuck. They don't care. I can't even tell you how many times I got dropped with a teammate close and they just walked on by. So, I don't think it's built for the system. I think they're just in damage control mode, man, because a lot of their fan base has shifted. It's leaking. The bolt is leaking for them. <laughs> the boat is taking on water at a critical rate is what has, it's happening right yeah. now. Apex came in and it fucked up the Battle Royale genre in all the best ways possible. Yeah. And even though it's quote unquote an EA property at the end of the day, there's no game breaking thing you could buy right now. There's no pay to win mechanic. It's mostly cosmetic and you get the two uh, legends you could buy. But, you know, if you play the game enough, you could buy them with in game that you earn. Mm-hmm. But what do you get in Fortnite? Why would you play Fortnite anymore is the question. When the team composition matters more. When if you have... Two other buddies, you'd have a better time. I think the only the only thing that will keep people playing Fortnite is the building mechanic. I never liked it, man. Me either. I never liked it. Never enjoyed it. Because it's like, what's the point of having a map if you could just kind of flip-flop it on its head? 
anytime you want. Because you, you could destroy homes and buildings and shit. As a matter of fact, there was challenges with that where people would drop in an area and like, let's just fucking knock down tilted towers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whatever, man. <laughs> but yeah, it's just another resource to manage to bring back into that. All right. Moving along. That took way longer than I wanted. All right. To. So we got some MK stuff. We got that Johnny Cage reveal this week. He looks good. Yeah. There's, uh, there's a little something about his skin. That's just a tad off to me. Not in a bad way. It's just something that that's like, you know, when you look at something, you're like, hmm. I think it might be his texture that's throwing me off. Maybe skin looks very porous. He he's not he's not he's not the biggest problem I have. I think Sony is the biggest problem I have so far. Is finally kind of like Sony and Cassie. No, Sonya's face is just off to me. Yeah, you think it's kind of weird. It's and I, I, maybe it's Rhonda's voice and her her vocal delivery when it comes to some of her lines. It just doesn't seem natural. It's to me. a little more robotic. Yeah, a little robotic. I don't. Maybe they'll fix that up. I don't know. Obviously, Rhonda delivered the lines, and I don't manage in her getting back into the studio to fix them. But um, maybe something with the facial delivery they could fix it. But so yeah, let's talk about Johnny real quick. First off, possibly the greatest fatality of all time. Very good, yeah. solid fatality. Because obviously, my favorite of all time is the selfie. It's gonna be very hard to beat that. This one gets pretty close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a pl- a. It's a homage to the original glitch, where you would be able to uppercut somebody's head off three times in two. I think it was two. You were able to do that. Maybe one. I don't remember. But it's a play on that. So it's like, well, now that makes sense because it was a take, right? And he's like, where do you hide this guy? What the fuck? And that whole thing. It was fucking awesome. Number one. Number two. Skin, I'm not sold on. It doesn't. I like it. I don't really like the whole militarized look of Johnny, though. You can't be wearing those wrestling spandex shorts forever, especially when you're a 60 year old man. But yeah, I guess you're right about that. But my my thing about Johnny is that my Johnny Cage has the <laughs> is the delinquent Johnny Cage tattoo across his chest. Exactly. He has the hand wraps yeah. and those blue and black spandex shorts. Yes, we know. Yeah. So, and don't get me wrong, I love that. It's iconic. Yeah. But you you gotta let the character grow up, even if it's just a little bit. Yeah. I like the costume. But, you know, I'm sure you'll get your blue shorts back with the new customization system. This is true. But, yeah, so <laughs> let's talk about the fact that his sunglasses are a projectile. That's interesting. That's fucking awesome. I, I'm surprised it took this long to implement that. Well, I think it's kind of hard. You have to imagine it's kind of hard. Yeah, but it's just been such a quality staple of his outfit since since his debut. Yeah. Really. Since the beginning of time. Yeah. So there's that. Um he has a cross-the-string projectile as opposed to an arching one now, which yeah. I guess is a variation. It's, it's going to work out better for him. Yeah. Those, a, those fucking arching ones are a bitch to like aim and stuff. I mean, he still has them as anti-airs, so that's good. Um, what else? Uh, let's talk about the stunt double thing, which is fucking hysterical. He calls in a stunt double, and the guy's hair is just a little off color, so you can notice <laughs> that he's a, he's a stunt double. Also, the Johnny across his chest is fucking, it's fucking Sharpie. It's in marker, <laughs> and you can totally tell. I'm really excited. I think as far as like characters they're bringing back, I think this is the one I'm most excited about now. Because it's funny because I think before we talked about it and he was kind of like, ah, we had enough. Well, here's my thing. He looks like he's a lot heavier now. Like he's a little bit more grounded in his play style. So I feel like MKX Johnny was, um, I don't want to say he was like super light and flimsy, like, I don't know, somebody like Kung Jin or whatever. But he was kind of in that middle ground. But looking at the way he plays, he looks very stable, if that makes sense. He that. looks like he plays, I don't, I don't want to say plays like Jax, but he looks like he feels almost like Jax, where, you know, he's got some bulk to him and you got to move it. Yeah. So that's yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, I just love a lot of the design choices as far as like the gameplay. It's phenomenal. He looks like he plays like the kind of that middle ground role. When he gets in, he gets in, but when he hops out, he needs to hop out. Um, so I think it's it's, it's going to be interesting moving it's gonna forward. Be fun. In addition to that, we got the whole um, 
uh, you you predicted it, and I had beef with it. Um, to ex a move, you no longer need to have the additional input. It's just the RT. Yeah, it's just the one. Thank God. Yeah. Thank you, Ed Boon. Yeah. So uh, basically, that was like the biggest the biggest news coming from from me when I saw the the, the combat cast. It was so unnecessary. Yeah. He's like, okay. He's like, we listen to feedback, which is true. They do. And it's like we decided that you know we tested it and see if it fit into the system that the game that we built. And it does. So we were able to implement that, which I'm like, sick. I fucking love it. So uh, Taking the uh, needless complication out of the game. Really. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it was a great system. Yeah. And there's no reason to get rid of it, especially since it was only introduced one game ago. Yeah. It would, don't need to innovate that quickly. Now, um, you know, we talked about all the stuff that they're changing, which is good. I mean, I think every game needs to have its own identity. And I think this one's going there. I but think the things that are built in place that are really well done should probably stick around. The EX maneuver is probably one of the best things that studios cranked out in regards to the fighting space genre. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm pretty confident in that statement. Yeah. Because for a resource management, for only one additional extra input, you get a whole lot more bang for your buck, especially with your characters, especially with your combos, your juggles, you name it, you got it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm glad that they kept it. And um, I'm excited. The more of this game, it looks around, I'm looking around it. I like it. Uh, now there was a leak roster. Uh, this, this particular leak seems to be coming from within. And it looks, seems, I think kind of the general perspective, the perception of it is that it kind of, is kind of coming with a disgruntled employee with malice. So, I think there's always these internal links, like really close to when the game drops. Well, I feel like what the difference is like it's not like GameSpot accidentally leaking something or Amazon UK accidentally. You know, this was somebody from the inside intentionally trying to sour the experience because there's are there are people who work on the trailers for the game. Now, don't get me wrong, I do enjoy the leak rosters, but like I said, this seemed to be come within, come from within, and it seems to be done with malice. So I don't really want to cover it. Uh, I think um, the dude from your, uh, Max from your video games kind of talked about it too. It's like, we'll leave it alone because it's kind of hyping up or giving attention to somebody who was kind of being a dick. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, we're, we're going to move on from, from that, but very cool. Uh, yeah. I'm excited. All right. I think we're doing uh did you do your Harry Potter thing? Uh, I didn't no. do it. All right. We'll do it next week. Yeah. I, I took it off. Let's talk uh, some music news and reviews. So this week, um, usually in the March time, March 1st is when the Warped Tour lineup drops, and this year was no different, the 25th anniversary. Three dates, Columbus, Ohio, Atlantic City, New Jersey, and was L.A., San Francisco, something somewhere LA, in yeah. L.A. Um, I'd like to address that for all the good bands that Dayton, Columbus, and every in-between city in Ohio has cranked out bands like Attack Attack, bands like The Devil Wears Prada, bands like Beartooth, so on and so forth, they got shafted for this year's Warp Tour. Yeah, brutally shafted, like BBC shafted. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's miserable. It's yeah, it's it's a little underwhelming. Uh, and, and here's the worst part: that's the closest one. Yeah. And if it was like worth it, I'm sure we could maybe kind of talk to the wives. Yeah. You know, but now it's like, are you fucking stupid for that lineup? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what the thought process was behind it. I mean, I guess there's it says grand opening, so I guess they're having their own um, like wing or something in, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So maybe they that's why they felt the need to you know do it there. But this it's very 
very underwhelming. I mean, I, I like Emery. Hawthorne Heights is great, but you know, that's about it. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, the Cleveland one's kind of disappointing. Now the other ones, uh, I talked briefly about it with my wife. I'm like, it's like a really good warp tour year, but the problem, but, but it's two days. But the problem is, is that it's two days, and I think it's it's a the the set of logistics of booking a band for a summer is a lot more complicated. But I think with a couple of days, only you know the only three days being the the format that they're rolling with, they probably could have done a lot better. Now well, don't all right, because I was speaking to my girlfriend, and we got to go back out to PA this year, and Atlantic City's two and a half hours from where she stays. It's not very much of a commitment, mm-hmm. and so I was like, hey, why don't we go to the Atlantic City Warp Tour? And we're looking at the bands, and there's a couple for her, but there's a bunch for me, right? And she mentioned something that really kind of, you know, grabbed my attention. She said, do you remember when we were supposed to go to Riot Fest last year, two years ago? And there was a whole bunch of bands we all enjoyed, but there wasn't enough band per day yeah, yeah. to justify yeah. the even a one-day ticket, let alone a three-day pass. And I feel like this is going to be the same setup. Because it'd be stupid to put all your hens in one basket and put all the good bands on like the Saturday or Sunday or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, nobody shows up to the day prior to the day after. Yeah. So, Warp Tour, the ghost of its former self. Well, I mean, it's kind of expected. We knew that. But um, maybe the single day would have been better. Hey, uh, Kelly gets Silent Planet, though. They if do. it was a single day, totally different story. Yeah. They do. They also get August Burns Red. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's like a really good Warp Tour year. But the problem being that it's a three or it's a three stop thing and. Like you think that for the 25th anniversary would be the like the last cross country warp tour and calling it quits, but whatever. Yeah, I mean it is what it is. I uh, uh, you know Kevin Landman tweeted out that the day you drop the warp tour lineup is like the best day and the worst day because half the fans are gonna love it and the other half the fans are gonna be like, what the fuck is this garbage? Which is true. Yeah, it's it is absolutely true. And I get it, and I'm not so much upset about upset about the lineup because the Atlantic City one has a lot of bands I enjoy, like 311 and you know blah blah less than Jake, all that good stuff. But it's just turned into this festival really is what it is it's not the warp tour anymore it's a festival and i stopped going to those a very long time ago my friend yeah i mean i'm not going anyways obviously but you'll, you'll catch me at the bottom lounge way before you catch me at another festival yeah and that's just the way that's the way the apple falls yeah that's a little bit of a bummer but hey man like you said it's you know obviously we're not gonna i'm not gonna be able to go anyway so it is what it is. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm glad that they're keeping it. Kind we of, had our run. Yeah. And we had our fun and we had our good times and we had our shitty warp tours and we had our great warp tours. Yeah. And honestly, man, like I know people are like, oh man, I've had bad warp tours. I never really did. Even the, the years where the lineup was not great. Maybe less memorable doesn't necessarily mean bad. Yeah. I mean, but I always had fun. I always, there was always something to do. You know what I mean? And nine times out of ten, every every time I died, I was playing. So I had somebody. Love yeah. those guys. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man. <laughs> As you may know from the podcast. Oh, yeah. You may have mentioned that. A time yeah, it's just this kind of small band. Yeah. That you're, that you're All into. right. So we tried. Well, <laughs> we were supposed to do a 10-song set list for Cage the Elephant. Jake, what happened, man? So to, to be honest, I'm not going to be offended. Okay. So you talked about it. I'm like, okay, I'm not super familiar with Cage the Elephant, but I'll give it a shot. Dude, I was hard pressed to find one song that I like, let alone ten. Not even uh, "Ain't No Rest for the Wicked." No, dude. I'm like, this song drives me fucking nuts. And when it came up, I'm like, oh no, not <laughs> not these fucking guys. Uh, 
You just couldn't do it. You just couldn't do it, man. That's fine. But uh, now with that, we were able to agree on reconcile. A, yeah, <laughs> I, I I think you texted me Monday or Tuesday, and you're like, "Man, this is gonna be rough." I was like, "Well, we could switch it if you want." You're like, "No, no, 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 no. we we committed." Yeah. And then the next day, you're like, "Can we switch it?" Please? I can't. I can't do it, dude. I couldn't do it because I sat in my office for like maybe three hours. I'm like, "Nope, nope." No, dude. Oh God, what the fuck was that? And I'm Unfortunate. like, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm like, let me. I mean, I need, I need to revisit this. Let's regroup. Yeah. So I put my shuffle on and fucking avalanche by the ghost inside came out. I'm like, why the fuck are we not doing the ghost inside? So I'm like, let's fu- fitting. Yeah, let's fucking do the ghost inside. A because they're back and B because they sold out their fucking show. Sixty three hundred people sold out in thirty minutes or less. Absolutely fucking fantastic. Th- I, I, I tossed this question out to you when we talked about it. You think they're bigger now? Yes, yeah. I mean, because I think the uh, here's the, the the upside of all the things that that happened to them. Obviously, it's a horrible incident. But all these ba- bigger bands, like the Bring Horizons of the World and the August Burns Red of the World, when this incident happened, shouted them out, be like, "Hey, support these guys." You know, these guys went through a lot, and that's a lot of exposure on that front. So maybe these guys or these bands that may not be fans who may not even been listening are like, "Well, at the very least, you know, here's some cash and let's see what they sound like." And that was like a good suction, good uh, infection vector for these people. And um, man, like I said, it could have a nice set of guys. I, I think that played a big role. But I think even the accident itself, people are drawn to this like... Comeback story? Not even the comeback story, man. People are just drawn to fucked up shit. You ever driving down the street and you see an accident? And you, look- and you start craning your neck over? You don't know why. You're mm-hmm. just really interested. Yeah. I feel like the the accident, as terrible as is, I think it drew a lot of attention to the community where people are like, oh, well, these guys are a metalcore band. What? You know, oh, damn, that's fucking wild. And then, you know, you kind of, maybe they came on shuffle or maybe your buddy knows some Ghost Inside songs and you throw them on and you're like, wow, this is fucking proper metalcore. Yeah. And I feel like that. And uh, I want to I wanna talk a little bit off the air about what movie we're going to talk about next week, but it just kind of, you know, brought that up. But I think it's a very fair statement because they were, fuck man, they were, 100th was open up for them. And, and I'd say, I'd say as an album piece, Let Go is probably, as a whole album experience, kind of same vein as, uh, you know, There Is a Hell. I'd say Let Go is arguably a better album experience than anything The Ghost Inside has. But what The Ghost Inside has is a lot of fucking bangers and, and they're, <laughs> Their last album feels feels like a collection of like the best of, really, and even the one before that. And they they crank out a lot of masterpieces. So I think it's fair and fitting that we do a ten song set list. I have mine carefully constructed. Oh, so you want to go first then, or you want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. So we're gonna open up with Engine Forty Five, the classic song. I think this was the first song they rehearsed when they started playing again too. Uh, we're gonna move into Move Me, banger, Out of Control number three, Face Value number four. And then these two, I think, are going to be kind of uh, outliers. I don't know if you if you test these on here. Five and six is Dark Horse and The White Light. I think that's a very good transition. Yeah, I know. I know. If you listen to that album, though, the way it works is very beautiful. Uh, seven is an old one, Downbeat. Eight is Mercy, probably my second favorite track off that album. Uh, nine is Avalanche, and ten is Dear Youth. Okay. Closing out with that. All right. So that's what I got. Uh, I also, I, I wouldn't say carefully, but I did put some thought into the placement of these songs, all right? I'm opening it up with Avalanche just because I imagine <laughs> them fucking walking out to bum, the fucking, bum, bum, yeah. Bum. Oh, God. Uh, I hope they open up with it when they come on their show. I, oh, my God. This will be sick. Uh, moving down to Dark Horse. Uh, fucking sick, like you said, and you mentioned it. Three, Out of Control, which I think we had it in the same spot. 
Between the Lines, a little bit older. Yeah. Love it. Good stuff. Faith or Forgiveness, even older than that. Uh, Unspoken, Disintegrator. Now, this is I, I feel like this song doesn't get a whole lot of love. This is one of my favorite the Ghost Inside song. Ghost Inside song, Wide Eyed. I oh, with uh, Jason Butler? I fucking love it. Yeah, it's really good, man. I fucking love it. If they can get him out. Well, I think he's from Cali, too. Yeah, he is. Yeah, that'll be sick. Oh, God, imagine that. Have Fever open up for Ghost Inside. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Uh, Engine 45. And last but not least, Dear Youth to close out the set. That's such a good fucking track. Yeah, it's such a great song. And like I said, man, when this one comes on this time, after everything, after the last four years, yeah. it's going to have a whole new weight to it. It's going to be like adding... An extra 45-pound plate on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's some good shit, man. Uh, that's one of my favorite. I, also, for those who are wondering, uh, I did construct this on Apple Music. So, if you want, you can go ahead and search up 10 songs sent with the ghost inside. And the description it says featured on the Second City Kids podcast. Very cool. Yeah. Um, that being said, they did mention that they were kind of upset that they sold out the show. Yeah. And I, I spoke about this last week, so I'm going to keep it short and concise. They're going to try and do something to accommodate everybody else. And I don't know if they're going to be able to switch venues very easily because you're going to bring 6,300 people with you. Yeah. And then you got to accommodate probably like 4,000 more. I think 10 would be a pretty good number to getting close to selling out. Not quite, you know, maybe day of. But I think the consensus amongst the community is that they're probably going to stream the show. I'm thinking on Twitch. I think it would be a big deal. Yeah, vigil streams. Yeah. And... uh yeah, if that's the case, man, let's do it. Yeah, I think I might uh, blow it up on the big screen. You can watch it here if you want. Very cool. Put it up on the side. It's going to be a something. good, good return. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah, so I'm I guess we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. Uh, hopefully, like you said, there's able a way where all all who want to enjoy will get the opportunity to. Uh, if they uh, if they so happen to switch venues, I am hopping on a ticket, though. Yeah, for sure this time? Yeah. Or, like, man, I told you, man, work was fucking busy. And Friday, I had like a stack of shit to do. And then, you know, before I knew it, it was 1230. And I was like, hmm, 12, 1230. What was I supposed to do? And I look at, you know, I open up Twitter and I was like, sold out. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's going to be that. Like I said, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. That show to me is probably going to be the show of the year. It's going to be very hard to beat that. So um, along with one band you didn't enjoy this week, Cage the Elephant, there was another band. I kept pestering you. I felt like I was like, sit down and listen to this. And you didn't really like. You know, you didn't commit till like Thursday about this. So this yeah. band is called the Lost Boys Collective. They dropped wait, wait, the three. Wait, wait, we actually skipped something, Gabe. What did we skip? Oh yeah, we'll get back to that. I yeah. want to talk about this though. Um, so they dropped a, a three-song demo EP. What the fuck you want to call it? Last year, late last year, and it kind of went under the radar because it was three songs and it was a band that's kind of unknown, really. Yeah. Put it, mm-hmm. put it gracefully. Um, and it came across my. Discover Weekly, and I had some pretty big things and big words for these guys, and I told you to listen. What would you think? All right, so it's interesting because I think the, the presentation of this single is interesting because it is there's three tracks involved. There is like an intro sounding thing. It, it's it's a track, yeah, but, but it's not enough to stand out on its own. And it's transitioned seamlessly into the main track, which is Yellow, Yellow Wallpaper. Wallpaper, and then there's like a outro interlude at the end yeah it's technically a track but again not enough to justify yeah so it's like one big piece now i listened to it okay i listened to it all right i did you listen to the whole or did you listen to the yellow wallpaper first i listened to it as a whole i got through it and i noticed some of the interesting little nuances about this track all right 
let's talk about the fact that they put instrument the instrumental the symphonic part forward super forward all right yeah it's right in your face now there's a lot of bands that do the orchestra sound but it's mainly background noise mainly stuff to fill it's supplemental yeah to fill the gap they put these things right in your fucking face up forward Right leveled with the guitar, and I think it's tr- tremendously interesting. All right, it's a very interesting vibe. I got this Metallica and then the San Francisco Orchestra vibe from it. Don't discredit this band like that. <laughs> no, first off, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we, 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 we respect Metallica in this household. All right, but it's very interesting. It's a, a unique blend. Uh, it's like having that ground beef, you know, but you have a little bit of like filet mignon kind of grinded in there. You know, with the, with the with the chuck, that's very good. You know what I mean? You got a little bit of that mix, but you're gonna have a fucking fantastic burger because that flaming young is in there. You know, uh, I, I took a page out of Gabe's book on that one. <laughs> yeah, man, I love the food stuff. Yeah, so we took that, and it's just a very weird kind of takes you, puts you off balance, but it's like in a good way. It's like when you go to Jewel and you pick up some wine, and then you you're like, damn, I can't believe this thing was like ten bucks. Yeah. Like, this wine's really fucking good. Yeah. It's weird. And uh, it's a very weird track. Um, Performance-wise, the band did a great job. Um, I love... I, I was immediately... Because you know me. At first, I was immediately off-put by the clean vocals. You know me. At first, I'm like, what the fuck? But... It yeah. works yeah. well, and it integrates every other part of this track. Yeah. And uh, the so, clean vocals is like really the stitching, man. Yeah, it's there, and you see parts of it, but it's not the main attraction. Yeah. So uh, I listened to it a, a couple times. My I enjoy it. My wife's like, "This is weird." I'm like, "It is weird." I'm like, "But I like it. It's very interesting. It's unique. It's unique is very hard to come across when or come across these these days and age when it comes to the metalcore genre. I think any genre, yeah. really. But it, yeah, it's very unique. It stands alone. Uh, and I looked at this band's website. They got like a very artistic picasso like aesthetic yeah aesthetic going along with it and i'm like you know what it works i like that it's just the right amount of douche yeah absolutely because when you said the name i'm like i don't that name like automatically does not appeal to my interest i know it's like a very minor thing but a name is a pretty big part of the band your name is the identity of the band and the music you're cranking out absolutely so that whole like the whole lost boys thing i'm just like whatever i kind of rolled my eyes at it i think it was interesting yeah and i i I feel like it's a reference to something i can't quite put my finger on it though i feel like i've read something about a lost boys it's probably like a philosophy or something like that Uh, i don't know man maybe it was like in the goonies or some shit i don't know maybe yeah i'm sure it's something i've come across before but this piece man um initially i didn't really notice well, I did notice I wasn't attracted to what you kind of threw out. The first thing that really fucking drew me in is, and, and let's talk about this. This is their first um, piece of work on Spotify. I don't know how it is on, on iTunes. About the same, yeah. I, I don't know if they have anything out before this. I didn't dive deep into that. But the fucking production values. Holy shit. Who did this? I don't I, know. I need a name. I need a name right now. It is a man named uh, Will Putney? No. <laughs> I, dude, I would not doubt it. Yeah, it's very but good. This is... You don't get this from a new band. No, this is don't. a new band mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And it, it... I don't know if this is a super group or what. And if it's not, I think there's a lot of weight to my words. Because I'm trying to figure out if this is a super group or not. There's a lot of shit that goes on in this track. Yeah. And first and foremost... I think the question on this podcast is, does it smack? Yes. Yes, yes it does. <laughs> yes. But it, it 
it's a very well choreographed smack, if that makes sense. Yeah. Every like, you know wrestling is fake. WWE is fake, but there's some wait, fights. Wait, 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 what? Next thing you're going to know, you're going to fucking tell me Santa Claus doesn't exist. <laughs> All right, sorry, keep going. But you know when you watch a Jeff Hardy fight? Match, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and he's flying around. And You're he's like doing all you this fucking idiot. Yeah, <laughs> but all your core wrestling principles are there. Yeah, you're, and I use this term very loosely. The it's a grounded fight, and like I said, I use that very loosely with the Hardy brothers. Yeah, but there's so much flair and finesse and kind of art almost that goes into the the match mm-hmm. that it's. A work of its own. Like yeah. the Hardy Bros don't fight like many other wrestlers. Yeah. Or many other wrestlers don't fight like the Hardy Bros. Yeah. And I think maybe one of the closer comparisons I can make is Rey Mysterio. But even then, he's it's more. Yeah. yeah, it's different. But he has that intrinsic flair to there, it. It's like um. When okay, <laughs> I did not think we were going to get into the philosophy of wrestling when we got into this started this podcast. When Rey Mysterio wrestles, there is a level of rehearsed rehearsalness to it because just because due to the fluidity of the movement it has to be right now when Jeff Hardy throws himself off something you're like he's throwing himself off something and that's where we are with that yeah so the Lost Boys Collective is a group I'm going to follow very closely Mm -hmm. and I'm excited to see what they're cranking out next because you put it you put it very well man this EP is really just the wrapping it's the unwrapping of a gift. Mm-hmm. You get the box, you get the toy, and you get all the fluff and stuff and the tissue paper, whatever it may be housing the toy. And this is a very, it was presented in a very interesting manner. The production was great. There was a lot of new shit that was, I don't want to say new shit. It was very well done stuff presented in this package. That beef and filet mignon burger. Yeah. It's interesting because like when you see, like I said, a lot of the aesthetic is, um, these guys kind of like there's that kind of the guy had smoke coming off of him and like the other guy looks like he was kind of melting into rain it's very interesting I think aesthetic is very important especially now in a day and age where like everybody's connected for a metal band for any musician really and these guys nail it and I think I think the reason that they're so I don't know maybe appealing is that one they're brand new and two because of that they're still a fucking mystery yeah I I've looked at the names of the band and I I don't recognize anybody, any of the names. Honestly, check it out because this may not be you know a newer track or anything like that. You know, like I said, it was dropped November of last year or something like that. But dude, this took me by storm. Well, apparently they just released a um like a live recording of the single, so like everything one room one take. This guy, I think that's fucking. So if they could nail it one take, man, that live performance I, is gonna I'm, be nuts. I'm gonna listen to it. Because I want to be not genuinely curious how they pulled off some of these things. You know what I'm kind of curious about? I'm curious to see if these guys are classically trained musicians that know like their Beethoven and their Mozart and shit like that. Because I feel like we don't get enough of that in the genre. Yeah. Interesting. And I, if you told me that and you're like, yeah, these guys are classically trained vocalist musicians, uh, pianists, whatever it may be, I'd be like, I hear the influence. Yeah. And that's probably the highest praise I could give. A new up and coming metalcore band that fuses classical. It's not even classical, man. Or- orchestral. It's it. It really is different, and it really is new. Yeah. And if you stand out like that, it, with you know your debut, we're watching. You're going you. places. Yeah, we're, we got our eyes on you. So good shit out know, there. You know, the last time I felt the kind of that way about a band, it's gonna sound like really retarded. 
in comparison. Well, is it the last time I saw a band that really kind of like I'm watching you because like it kind of blew me away was Motionless and White. Like their first when Creatures came out, not even Creatures the, is one of my most highly regarded yeah. metalcore albums because for I, good that, reason that shit put out and I'm like, hmm. you guys are too new to be doing that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Hey, who the fuck you think you yeah. are out here? Basically, so I, I'm kind of watching them like they're. That. I don't want to say they're imposing because even the tracks don't have that many listens, and I feel like nobody's talking about these guys right now. But we need to be. It's, what, what it's going to be is that they're going to come up with like a full length and the full length is going to be f- fucking phenomenal. And then you're going to hear people like us be I'm like, saying, man, I like them since the fucking yellow wallpaper, bro. But, <laughs> man, I, I was talking to Maddie about this. I think the highest praise I could ever give an album is that it's a good experience and not just a collection of good singles. Yeah. Because there's, there's a difference. Like there is a hell. What is it? Top five for you? Top 10 at least? Seven. Seven. We heard we we did. I'm this. sorry. Yeah, I forgot about that. But <laughs> but I feel like that's the highest praise you could ever give an album is that this isn't a collection of songs. This is a whole story. This is a whole experience, and it's interwoven. It's part of you. And I feel like these guys can crank out something like that. Mm-hmm. And man, if you're totally lost in the sauce right now, first thing we said, does it smack? Yeah, it fucking mm-hmm. smack. Check out the Lost Boy Collective's Yellow Wallpaper. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk some Data Remember. So, so uh, they announced a little tour. Data Remember, a little band. You may have heard of them. Uh, out of Ocala, Florida. Yeah. Uh, local guys uh, going on their first big tour. No, uh, <laughs> seriousness, though, and, you know, Data Remember, one of the bigger bands of the, the genre in the, probably the last 15 years, probably. Yeah, and, very uh, easily. And, uh, man, they got themselves a little tour with a bunch of... Uh, it's a very interesting tour because yeah. they're easy core. Well, yes and no. All right. Because the Data Remember has done this before. The okay. Data Remember has done tours with like August Burns Red and shit like that in the past. So, Aren't they like palsy Wellsy with August Burns Red? Well, they're, they're, from what I understand, they're pretty much palsy Wellsy with, with everybody. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good to hear. Every person they come across there because generally the, the the idea or the, I don't know, the perception is that they're nice guys. But um, so yeah, they've done stuff like this and they've taken on bands that were like, Maybe like we like I was thinking like we came as Romans when they were like new like these bands there everybody that's got some heat behind them and instead of kind of going against the current which I feel like a lot of bands that are at the top of the mountain feel like maybe to go against the current a little bit be just kind of to uh, protect their spot they remembers like fuck it let's get those fans into our fucking party too and uh, again I'm not the biggest data remember fan in the world we've talked about this in the past but I do embrace that or I do accept that they are part of embracing of the culture, which has helped the culture move forward. Right. So, so they're taking on knock loose. <laughs> yeah. And Boston manor. Um, I think it's very interesting. And I think it should it's be a, fun. Yeah. I think it's going to be a great show for the, all those that go. I probably won't go. Uh, uh, well, here's the issue. Their quote unquote, Illinois stop is half assed. Uh, it's at yeah. Puria, which is not the issue. Cause if you like them enough, you'll make the trip. The issue is that they're playing at a festival without knock loose in Boston manor. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. But for everybody else, go out there and enjoy it, man. Yeah, it's going to be a good show. Uh, I have I have a couple of their records on, on vinyl, but uh, one of them has like their pictures all the, in the background. And uh, my girlfriend was like, yeah, they're really not the best looking band, but they put out good music. Hey, man. Like, they're good. really not good looking guys. Well, but... I th- that's another thing that I appreciate about them is that they never really relied. Like it was like the douchiness level was more of like a... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like a self-assuming, like, yeah, we're douches because we wear, you know, holiday t-shirts and stuff. But like, <laughs> and they do the stupid two-step thing. But like, they never really got had that like douchey rock 
rock star vibe to them, which I really appreciate about them because it was very easy, especially coming from that era of like the Escape the Fates where like it was all about wearing leather jackets and fucking eyeliner. But Escape uh, the Fate, Pierce the Veil. Yeah. Yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm going to give a day to remember some props on the show because I feel like. Yeah, man, it, it really does fuse the their two genres with their openers. Yeah, and that's smart. It's awesome. That's good marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Black Lou's been killing it, man. Yeah, they're getting uh, man. They're good. <laughs> I'm because I'm watching them, and I'm just like, that's that's a beast. They're that's swelling. That thing is a beast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Choo um, Now, I think the only band to kind of come from the same kind of cloth that's bigger is like Code Orange. That's just due to the fact that they're getting like all sorts of mainstream love from like all the big rocks that like the Corey Taylors of the world yeah. and stuff like that. But hey, man, it is what it is. But um, it's a bubble, man. Yeah, it's, it's gonna it, burst when that new album drops. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It's gonna be big. But yeah, so I think it's kind of awesome. I just wanted to mention that. Very cool. Uh, talk to me about limbs. So, um, real quick, my buddy Still World, uh, Dan from Still World, has got an awesome show booked with the plot and you and like Moths to Flames, right? That's wild, man. I, I think I mentioned that when you when you told me, but it's like he's touring with Plot and You, Moths to Flames, and there's another band on that bucket that I enjoy. But, uh, and limbs. So oh, they're hopping on too. So yeah, I, I, at that point, cause I'm looking at this lineup. I'm like, that's a fucking good lineup. And I'm like, they would not toss in a, a garbage ass band <laughs> on a lineup like this. I'm like, so let me check them out. Got into it. All right. Smacks. It's some really good shit, man. And I think it's right up your alley. Be, be careful now, Gabe. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to suck in, get, get sucked in and then have them fucking go shoegaze on us. Like every other fucking man that you like, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I like it. Now I think, and again, this is me. When it comes to cleans, I'm very off put by it, right? Uh-huh. Because there comes with a certain level of disingenuousness with it when it comes to certain bands. Way to where it comes to mind. But um, with this, the cleans, it's very raw. It's very raw feeling. And I appreciate that. I feel like they he didn't clean up the vocals because it's not accurate to what he can actually do, right? So I listened to it. I got by halfway through their their album. I think it came out last year. I think you're gonna be pleasantly surprised. Check it out. Yeah, check it out. But to uh, bring back what I mentioned prior is that it kind of makes you to think that this dude is touring with bands like this. Well, he's opening up for bands like this. Yeah. Kind of makes you sit down like, damn. Where'd we go wrong? Yeah. Well, and we had some, some playful banter, but yeah, we're well, not going to get into that. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a later date. But, uh, so yeah, man, uh, proud of my boy. going to be a great show. I'm going to try to go. I'm going to try to go. It's a Sunday. I'm going to try to make my way out. Yeah, man. Should be fun. I'll let you know if I'm going. Absolutely. But, uh, let's close this show out with some bad news. Yeah. So, you know, I think on both mine and Gabe's highly anticipated albums is this band, uh, capsize, uh, I guess had a, um, a sexual, allegation. A sexual assault allegation placed against them. Or not them, but I guess the guitar player. One of the members, yeah. The guitar player in particular. And um, I think uh, it's coming at a really bad time. I don't know the circumstances. I'm not going to say who's guilty, who's not. Um, but Because obviously I don't know the situation. I wasn't there. But I think it's, if it's true, I think it's a tremendously shitty thing to do. Uh, I think, you know, groundbreaking, sexual assault, horrible. Good job, Jacob. Great call. Anyway, but um, we're, we're in this day and age where uh, you see, because there's two sides of this coin and I'm, I don't want to be insensitive or anything because, you know, if you toss it out there, we're going to believe you. 
mm-hmm. unless there's evidence otherwise, right? But it, it's one. It's sad to see it happen to a band that we enjoy, and it's also un, you know sad for the victim of said sexual abuse. But there comes this kind of play where I'm not too sure how long ago this happened, but shouldn't you bring it to the forefront immediately? Yeah, is my mentality of it. Yeah, because I feel like these guys. And I'm not trying to discount either side here. Like I said, I'm not trying to be that guy. Yeah. I'm not being pro-sexual assault. I'm not. But to me at least, and I've never been a victim of this, it's this kind of thing where, well, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't this have been, like, let's let's get this out yeah. immediately. Because it's, you know, maybe the wound was too fresh. I don't know what it was. Like I said, I can't speak from experience, but it's been a couple months, man. It's been some time. Yeah. And uh, with that, you know, Capsize got pulled off their tour with Bust the Fall. So, I think Guitarist is gone too. Yeah, I think he took a step down. Um, now, I read the statement from the, from the guitar player, and um, he seemed very genuine. Granted, I, again, I don't know him, so I can't tell you if he's being 100% truthful. I don't know. But I think, like you said, we get the day and age where these things come out, and um, it's almost guilty and proven innocent kind of a deal. Yeah. It's very hard to prove somebody it, it, It's innocent. a very thin sheet of ice to walk on yeah because man and i I, i'm like already walking on eggshells talking about this yeah but it's this mentality of did he do it actually because if that's the case then yeah he should step down absolutely or is it they're having a case of mild success and you're having a case of regret and like i said maybe this isn't applicable applicable at all to this instance Mm -hmm. but i'm sure there's instances of this situation out there yeah Cause like I I read the comments and you know these comments are fucking cesspools. Brutal, yeah. And you know I think it's important to ensure that the victim is not further victimized moving forward, especially when we don't know what happened. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just like, settled in a court of law, and then I, we could pass judgment. Yeah, because I you know I put this I I took this on and off a couple of times because I'm like I don't know if I want to talk about it because I feel like. Um, we often cover all the good stuff, but these there's some bad shit in there. Yeah, there yeah. definitely is. So, um, and um, man, it's gonna be hard to find a band that doesn't get a sexual assault allegation. Yeah, um, it's just it's terrible. Yeah. It is terrible. But I, uh, I don't know what else to say about that. But it's it's rough. It's unfortunate. Yeah. You know who handled that situation very well because they had something similar going on. Mm. Uh, C Space Cowboy is a band that I brought up. They handled it um, out of the public eye before the allegations were even out. They settled it. They're like. All right, man, you're gone. Goodbye. Replaced. And by the time the thing came out, he like, was oh, gone. Farmer. Yeah, he's been gone two weeks. Yeah. We, we, we took care of it. Yeah. And they took care of it very, I don't want to say like hush-hush, but it was like uh, you could tell that he was gone because it wasn't cool and not because it was like you have Same a rapist face. in your band. Yeah. Yeah, you know? And I think there's a difference in that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's interesting. Now, as far as another person, I mean, we're moving along. But like another um, person who handled, I don't want to say allegations, but uh, criticism about the actions that they took. Uh, recently, uh, Tim from Asley Dying mm. was like, I guess they signed, you know, they were coming to town, I think so, some town in Tennessee, and they canceled their show. Canceled their show and, you know, did that. And I think his response was probably the most classy thing he could probably say in that particular instance. He's like, I made a mistake. I pay for it every day. He's like, I understand their perspective and why they don't want me around. I get it. Um, just, you know, hope that one day that you guys will give me the opportunity to make it right. 
And I think that's probably the best thing a person could say in that particular scenario. Because I think it'd be real easy. And whether if he feels that way or not, again, that's a guy who comes off as very disingenuous sometimes. So whether, <laughs> whether, if, yeah. Yeah, whether he feels it or not, I don't know. But um, he'd be really easy. In for his him. situation, that was best card to play. Yeah, it'd be really easy for him to like, well, fuck you guys anyways. You know what I mean? But yeah, I don't know. You, know, you, you kind of almost feel bad for the Tennessee people because I can't imagine that a lot of bands come through. Well, I, Tennessee's not that bad. I feel terrible for, like, kids in Arkansas. Yeah. They don't get fucking jack shit. Definitely. So, I don't know. Gabe, you got any certified bangers this week? Dude, Lost Boys Collective's just kind of... Yeah, man, we talked about it. That's all I got, honestly. Yeah, that's basically all I got. It's been week. kind of a dry week, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, it's not the, the highest week in the world, but you got to find some news sometimes. You right? know what I was thinking on the way over here? What? This time last year, we had a very clear-cut album of the year that held its spot for six months. And I think yeah. that says a lot about that plot and you album. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, that, the plot and you album, that particular thought in you plot, the plot and you, album. <laughs> there we go. I don't know, but, um, I'm sure something will come along the way, but I think it gives credit to what they, I think we've had a, a bunch of real, I think the reason why the plot and you album dispose was so good is because it was so head and shoulders above everything else that came out. Yeah. Well, so far this year, we've gotten a bunch of good stuff. But in the not, same ballpark. In the same ballpark, but not something that's just head, head and shoulders over everything else. So I think, uh, I don't know. I think it's an interesting Plotting place. He was playing in Wrigley. Everybody else is playing at your local park. Yeah, it's, it's, a little, it's a little interesting. So I guess, I mean, I don't know. I think that, is that a good thing? I don't know. Do we, is, is it better to have a whole bunch of really good little little releases, or is it good to have those fucking constant, you know, those things that come around every three months that are just really. I don't know, man. Um, I think this is going to be a good year, the year of discovery. Yeah. We've got a lot of good stuff coming our way, and I think it'll it'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, we spent an hour and about 40 minutes on the pod. So with that, you guys can go ahead and like us on Google Play, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, I guess, since they're not taking Stitcher us down. Radio, Podbean. Yeah. That's all that good stuff. Any place podcasts can be found, we will be there. You also go ahead and like us on Facebook if you so choose. Uh, you can also go ahead and like us on Twitter. Uh, Second City Kids, uh, that's me. Gabe is Jabriel. I tag him in a lot of stuff. So once you find me, you basically find him. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, man. Um, it was a good episode. It was a good episode. Yeah, definitely. Want to wait? Do you, do you, I have this. Okay, I'm going to have to like collaborate with you on naming these things because I'm starting to run out of clever names. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe we could recap on maybe the festivities of the podcast and then come up with a clever name because it's really hard. I have like three technical difficulties out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? We got a saga of technical difficulties. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, man. See, not a trilogy, a saga. A saga of technical difficulties. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. there's there's the episode name, not yeah. a trilogy, a saga. Because like, obviously like steak, cheese, and sour cream is probably the most forward. Iconic, yeah. Yeah. But it is what it is. All right. So yeah, but with that, uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show. See you back here for next week at, uh, for 109. And until then, this is... <laughs>